That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one frosty minute at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Carrie from the LDS Dating Podcast. And we are your hosts for Beauty and the Beastly Minute. Thanks for coming back and joining us once again for another minute of Beauty and the Beastly Minute. Unfortunately, we do have some bad news to start off this podcast. In case you haven't heard, this past week, David Ogden Steers passed away on March 3rd, 2018. And so we wanted to say a little bit about him. And he was our beloved Cogsworth and very talented. He was born in Illinois, but mostly grew up in Oregon. He went to the University of Oregon before he went to Juilliard. That's where he graduated from in 72. He went on Broadway for a while. He was in a lot of different productions on Broadway before he got into what most people know him for, at least in the older generation. I mean, I never really watched it, but he was in MASH as Major Charles Emerson Winchester III. He was the best. I loved MASH. Yeah, I remember <laughs> my parents would turn it on and I'd be like, boring show. So I never watched it. I thought the relationships were hilarious. Mm. I'm a relationship person, so <laughs> I was people watching them. Well, apparently everyone agreed with you because he got two Emmy Awards from his work on MASH. And then he was in several Perry Mason films also, which I never saw. And then he came into my life in 1991 as the voice of Cogsworth in this film, Beauty and the Beast. And I didn't realize, but he was also the voice of Governor Ratcliffe and Wiggins in Pocahontas and Dr. Jumba in Lilo and Stitch. Wow. So he was a pretty, pretty awesome. And then after that he kept doing voice work and television work in the towards the latter end of his life. He was in Lady in the Water in 2006 and was on the animated series The Regular Show. And then in his later years, he was a conductor for the Newport Organ Symphony Orchestra. So pretty talented dude. And then he passed away, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, this past March 3rd from cancer. So rest in peace. Thank you for all your hard work. It's always sad when we lose a talented person and someone that at least uh, that those of us that grew up with the movie, you know, we grew up with his voice in, in like I said, in Pocahontas and Beauty and the Beast in Lilo and Stitch. And it's sad that he's gone, but... It's kind of cool that his voice and the the talent that he put into these movies will keep going on as we indoctrinate our children with these movies and continue to watch them. It makes me want to record my own voice as well, which I'm doing right now. So podcast. <laughs> Preserve our own voices for our at least the generations of our family might listen. <laughs> Who knows if other generations Is anyone else out there? <laughs> All right. Well, today we are talking about minute 66 of Beauty and the Beast, which starts off with LeFou saying, they're back, and ends with Monsieur d'Arc saying, don't worry, mademoiselle. I never knew his name. Yeah. D'Arc? It's Doc. Doc? Mr. Doc. Or Mr. of the Ark. Mm, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Creepy man has a name. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it starts off with Fu as a snowman. Belle and Maurice have just entered into the house, and so he can finally break his cover and bust out of his snowman form. Such a great cover, too, with his arms and hands sticking out. <laughs> yeah, but Belle didn't notice him. I mean, she was a little more preoccupied with other stuff, so... 
Yeah, he's lucky about that. If they had just like been out of town for that inventor's thing and come back, they would have totally recognized him. Unless it's super dark, I guess. We don't know how dark it really is. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of questions that come up with this snowman disguise. The The first one being, how did he build himself into a snowman? And I thought about this for a while. And, you know, I can kind of see how you could do it. You, you pack it around your legs. You got to make sure there's enough snow around you before you start. And then you could pack in your chest kind of, but it'd be kind of hard to get your back. Um, and then the head part's the, the really tricky part. Um, but I, I guess theoretically he could have done it. It's it's possible that he could have packed himself into a snowman since his arms aren't packed in. Yeah. What do you think? My theory is, I feel like we talked about this last minute, but maybe we did not. But my theory is that he had like the children in the town actually show up and like they were basically messing with him because he can't move and built a snowman around him. <laughs> so it's kind of like a mean torture thing, but he held on to the sticks anyway. Yeah. Or he might have asked the children to help him. I could see that. I could see where he would ask them for their help. Or Gaston might have even headed mm. to town right away and been like, hey, he needs a cover. I thought you were going to say Gaston might have came over and helped him. No, no, no. <laughs> I, no, I think Gaston would have just passed it on to some kids running through town. Like, yeah. Hey, LeFou's over there. He can't move. So, yeah, I think he would have just delegated it to the kids and said, LeFou's over there. He can't move. Build a snowman around him. He's always messing with LeFou, yeah. pushing him around stuff. Why not? Well, my bigger question as far as the snowman disguise goes is how can he breathe? Because it's completely covering his face except for his eyes. So he's got two eye holes. Everything else on his face is covered. And so that got me thinking about avalanches. And when you're in an avalanche, you know, the big danger besides getting crushed is that you suffocate because you're buried under snow and you can't dig your way out and you can't breathe. Hmm. And his face is completely covered in snow. And so I did a lot of researching and uh, actually found some some interesting studies. Well, I guess not like super interesting, uh, but some studies that people have done on like the amount of time that you can survive buried under snow with different like amounts of oxygen available to you. So like if the snow's packed right up against your face, how long will you last? And if you've got like one liter of airspace, how long will you last? And then apparently they have like these uh, emergency like breathing apparatuses I guess you use if you do a lot of skiing or something and you're caught in an avalanche I think it's called like an avalung or something but it's supposed to like help you breathe if you're trapped in the snow hmm. and so there's been these groups that have done these different studies on how long you can breathe under snow for different amounts of time. Wow. And so apparently you can actually breathe through the snow. Like it lets through enough air, I guess, if it's not hard packed, that you can kind of filter the air and the carbon dioxide through the snow. If it's fluffy? Not like fluffy, fluffy, but it's if it's not like hard packed. But the problem with that is you have to have like an air pocket big enough for you to, to give it time for the air to filter through, I guess. So when you have the snow like right up against your face, your body exerting so much energy trying to push the air through the snow that you tire out quicker and that's you know where where the problems start there so the more space you have the bigger pocket you have of air the easier it is for you to stay okay for longer and i think the most is like half an hour or something from what i from what i looked up that you know that's when people started passing out even if they had like a one of the bigger like one or two liter pockets of air that they were breathing into so still doesn't make sense for lefou but interesting anyway. 
Well, it looks like it's a pretty thick amount of snow. It's definitely packed in, but he does have his eyes. He has the eye holes. That's true. So maybe air is able to go up through the eye holes and back, or maybe there's a hole behind the carrot that we can't see because we're looking at him kind of from a an angle from his right side. So he might have a little hole right there for a nostril. <laughs> hmm. But I don't know. He's got a pretty big schnozzle, so yeah, it would probably be poking out. I don't feel like his head would fit inside this this uh, snowman's head. His head is pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, he does have kind of a big head and nose and stuff. He's the more clownish character we have. Yeah, so I feel like the snowman head should be bigger in the first place just to fit his head in it. Hmm. We should look at it from this frame to the frame just a second later when his head is out and see if it's, his head is actually bigger than the, the snowman head. About the same, I guess. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. The problem, the other the other problem that comes up, especially with the snowman shape, is that LeFou puts, he, he makes himself into an American snowman and not a European snowman. So inconsistency there, Disney. Come on, guys. What's the difference between American and European? So an American snowman, they're typically done with three body portions. So you've got the bottom, the middle, and the top circle, ball, whatever Mm. that you make a snowman out of. Typically is what you'll see in, in the United States. And then in Europe, apparently they do like one long body portion and then the the head on top and lefou well we saw it better in last minute but he's got the three three ball shapes for his body or two for his body and one for his head so he's definitely gone american in his snowman form do uh is there a difference between american and european as far as like the coals and the the carrot and the sticks so i looked into the history of snowmen and apparently this guy called bob Eckstein, who wrote a book about the history of snowmen, and he was able to trace it like way back, but the earliest thing he could find was from like the 1380s. Um, He found a snowman drawn in an illustration from a work titled The Book of Hours. Um, and he found it in The Hague. And uh, so there have been snowmen for a long time. And everybody kind of has like a different way of doing them. But the coal with the carrot nose and the sticks for arms is, is pretty common for a long time. Okay. So there there are some differences throughout the countries and cultures and stuff. But uh, it's, it's not uncommon to have that. And in case you were curious, the first photograph of a snowman was taken in 1853 by Welsh photographer Mary Dillwyn. And that's in the National Library of Wales. If you're in Wales and you want to go check it out. (laughs) Do you have listeners in Wales? I don't know. We might. We've got some in the UK, I think. Mm, Fancy. They're so close to such a magical snowman piece of history. (laughs) Well, the last thing I have about LeFou here, um, we're still at the very beginning, is the little like music ditty thing like we've kind of been getting a little more serious in the tone of the music and then we go from bell and maurice going into the house we kind of zoom down on um lefou as he breaks out of the snowman and takes off and i, th- I feel like the music it's kind of like this little Da-da-da. yeah a little silly little music thing uh, and i just feel like it doesn't really fit it kind of throws off the groove of the movie and the mood that we've been setting and I guess it's to kind of let us know that he's being silly and we shouldn't be concerned that he's been frozen as a snowman for days or weeks or months, depending on how long we feel that uh, Belle has been at the Beast's castle. And I just, I don't know. The music has always bugged me right there. 
it is kind of weird because, I mean, it's silly that he was a snowman, but he's about to go do something awful and put this whole sneaky plan into motion. So maybe it's supposed to be like a sneaky music. Hmm. Well, in that case, they didn't do a very good job picking the music. I just really like this fade-in blur thing that they do at, you know, second five six whatever it is right after we we go inside their house and we're like inside of maurice's eyes opening up to see bell i just like how they did it like that they could have just made it a you know a shot from the other side of the bed or something but i like that they put us in maurice's head to wake up blurrily to bell yeah yeah it is a pretty cool effect i mean it's it's blurry but at the same time like the whole room is kind of shifting around and bell comes into focus before anything else so it's just a very good job on the animation and then i like the the focus on bell mm-hmm. but then we get the nasty towel wipe I noticed that too. It's it's such a gross sound they put in there. I never noticed it before. And then trying to find stuff to talk about during this minute, I'm like, oh, that sound is gross. In case you don't remember what we're talking about, she Belle is wiping Maurice's face with this towel, and it's like, oh. <laughs> have you practiced? No, no. It's just this horrible sounding, like wet. Ugh. It doesn't even sound like a towel. It, but it. Have you tested it? I feel like I've heard the sound of wet towels all the time, cleaning up, you know, water, other horrible messes that children make. So I don't feel like it's ever sounded that gross, but I've also never paid attention. Like I've never paid attention to this this sound before. Yeah, it's a gross sound. Don't watch it slowly. (laughs) Just ignore it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're all going to hear it now. Maybe. (laughs) It's going to drive everyone crazy. So we get a we get a profile view of them in the next little bit from like second 13 to 22 ish. And they're talking. And the first thing I noticed is that we get a picture on the wall in the back left of the of the, the screen. And it's either like the queen or Belle's mom, but probably Belle's mom. So we don't really get to see what she looks like very well. It's just you can kind of tell that it's a woman figure and we get a couple shots of it. But it's it's never a very clear image of who it is or what that person looks like. Besides that, you can tell that it's a woman. And so I think that's the closest we've come to like anything about Belle's mom. Yeah, and it would, it would make sense that that's her mom in that picture since it's her dad's room, we're assuming. Yeah. So keeping her close. And it looks like she's wearing blue. Mm. Perhaps that's why Belle likes her blue dress. That would make sense. I noticed in this minute, I don't know if I should talk about it here or in a few seconds, that the bag at the foot of the bed is like super close to Maurice's feet. And he's a short man. So I'm thinking, how small is this bed? It's like not a typical size bed. Well, it might have been typical back in the day. I feel like old stuff was always smaller. You had to curl up. I mean, Belle would have to curl up on this bed because hmm. she's, you know, a couple heads taller than her dad. So she wouldn't fit on this bed. He made it special just for him. Perhaps. I guess Belle's mom was short too then or he made a new bed after she died. But anyway, I just noticed that this bag at the bottom is super close to his feet. Whereas in a couple seconds when Chip comes out, there's like a ton of space for the bag to fall over and have a mirror come out and chip and everything. Yeah. Well, I noticed here that uh, Maurice's nose is pretty big, man. He's got a snoz on him. I don't think I've ever really paid attention to it before. Oh, yeah. he's He's got a big old man nose. 
He doesn't have the big old man ears, though. Yeah, he's got little bitty ears and a big old giant nose. I love their hug. I think that's my next thing. I'd like a father hug like this one. So cute. Yeah, it's a good hug. A nice reunion moment. And Maurice's cough and sickness seem to be gone. He's all of a sudden seems a lot better now that he's woken up. And we're assuming that not much time has passed, but I guess it's probably been a few hours because LeFou had to go and he probably went to let Gaston know. And then Gaston had to go get uh, Monsieur Diak. And then they all had to show up because he's about to go knock on the door. Yeah, that would take quite a bit of time. Unless they were all just hanging out at the tavern getting riled up. And as soon as LeFou walked the, you know, five minutes over there, they could all come back. But most likely it's been been a while at least an hour i'd guess and it looks like in this frame in a second 18 mm-hmm. the picture of the mom looks like she's wearing red now hmm. or what we're assuming is the mom before it looked like it was blue and of course you can't confirm that very well since i'm the the one who's not colorblind mm-hmm. you'll have to believe me yep 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 i've always thought bell doesn't look quite as bell like in this segment. I was wondering if you remember which scenes <coughs> she wasn't fully like bell developed in. Was this one of them? I remember we watched the commentary of Beauty and the Beast and they were talking about how there were a couple of scenes where they kind of just like rushed bell and they didn't keep her facial looks as consistent with her character plans. Mm, I don't yeah. remember that. Oh, well, I feel like this is one of those moments. Hmm, I've never really noticed that she looks funny here, but I guess she kind of does. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. And we we have a lot of close-up shots of her. So you can, I mean, it's right there. Boom, real big on your screen. Then we get the bag. And pretty much the only thing in there, I mean, it's just the mirror and chip. So she basically grabbed a bag to stick the mirror in. Mm-hmm. She didn't have anything else, right? She showed up with a, just the dress she was wearing and Philippe. Yeah, I guess so. Unless she was going to take dresses or something with her that the wardrobe gave her. Why would she need anything else? Especially if she's planning on returning. Mm-hmm. At second 31, when Chip is just bursting out of the bag, he's on top of the mirror, spinning around still. It looks like there's an eye in the mirror. Dun-dun-dun. The curse is watching. Mm. It's really the reflection of Chip, but it looks like an eyeball. Yeah, it looks just like an eyeball. I guess that's a pentagon shape on the bottom of his cup. Yeah. Mm. Creepy. I never noticed that before. I did notice all the reflections with him spinning. So good. Yeah. Got some good animation going. They didn't have to make him spin around like that on top of the mirror. They could have made the mirror face down or something. They just wanted a little challenge. Keeping it interesting. And I love the, the little stutter that Maurice has. And he's like, I, I did, 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 didn't think I'd see you again. It's it's more subtle than that. but I didn't, didn't think something like that. It's just like a little stutter. And I'm sure it was just like a mess up. And they left it in there and it kind of animated to it. So I, I liked that. Oh, wow. Wow, second 36, Belle looks horrible. She's got like a super long neck and kind of an evil looking face. That's where she's saying, stow away. It's kind of a, you're in trouble. 
A stowaway. That's that's creeping me out. Moving on. <laughs> and then uh, Chip completely ignores Maurice. Maurice is like, I didn't think I'd see you again. And Chip just ignores him, turns away, and starts talking to Bill. I've had kids do that to me before. Especially if you ask them a question. If you talk directly at a child like that, they'll often just be like, okay, you had your chance. I'm going to move on to what I want to say. <laughs> and so I never realized that, you know, Chip asks her, like, why did you leave? Don't you like us anymore? And she says, it's just that. And then we have the knock on the door. But we don't know what she was going to say. We never find out what she was going to say. She could have said, it's just that I had to come find and save my dad and bring him back with me. Or, you know, who knows what she would have said. It's just that I can't stay there with a beast. I want to be free. Yeah. She could have taken it either way. And we'll never know. Because somebody had to come knocking on the door. His creepy steepled hands. I always thought that was the worst. What, the door knock? No, well, yeah. That she doesn't get to say what it was. Uh. And as far as I know, I've tried to read a few different things about that. And they're, they never say like what she was going to say. It's supposed to be a mystery. No. We don't, we don't know why she just had to leave. Because she was about to tell Chip. And she was going to say it so honestly and sweetly like you would tell a child something. It would have been plain and simple, but we don't get to know. We don't get to know if she's planning to go back or not or anything. It's just that I'm creeped out that I'm in love with a beast. So my next note is um, about Monsieur Doc and his steepled fingers. Uh, He's doing the finger tappy together thingy, um, which... Apparently is is a thing. Uh, I forget where I saw it. Anyway, basically I found some articles online that were talking about steepled hands. And it's kind of like a power move. It's whenever you're confident and you feel like you're in a position of uh, kind of being above others and knowing what you're talking about. That's a, a position that conveys it. You feel like you're in power over other people. So they say a lot of uh, lawyers and accountants and people in authority kind of put their fingers in that steeple position when they're talking to uh, those that they feel are below them. And uh, one of the things that I was reading is talking about, hey, like you shouldn't, you should be really careful using this gesture because it does kind of make you seem like arrogant and, you know, a lot of people take it the wrong way because it has been used a lot for villains in Hollywood and movies and stuff. So, because it's like a creepy looking caged thing like i control this situation yeah where was it do 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 there was one of them that i was reading and it was talking about how like you tap your fingers against each other and it's like like a spider dancing on a mirror or something like that so one of the things i found was on just like general body language and they were talking about it and the other one was like this article on evil tv tropes It says, uh, particularly devious and magnificent villains have a habit of putting their hands together at around chest or mouth level with fingers either interlocked or tip to tip. One possible reason behind this gesture is that when a person lies, they often unconsciously cover their mouth with their hands as if to prevent the lie from escaping their lips. Thus, putting both hands in front of your mouth 
means that you're lying big time. Another reason is that in real-life body language, people tend to automatically steeple the hands when feeling overly confident or superior to whoever they happen to be speaking to. Someone who does this too often will quickly come across as arrogant, but this pose has the advantage of completely blocking arms and chest, making their body language impossible to read anymore. Bonus points if combined with ominous lighting, scary shiny glasses, a slight slouch of villainy, a beard of evil, or a Kubrick? Kubrick? Kubrick stare. Double bonus for psychotic smirk. But anyway, so he does his creepy steeple finger thingy. Blech. And it's creepy. And there are a bunch of trees that look super close. And there are not trees super close to the front door of Belle's house. Da, da, da. I went back and checked in minute 18 when we got a good view of her house. Like before she comes out and sings her song about wanting adventure. And there's like a nice big clearing between her house and the trees. The trees are way off like where Gaston tried to have their wedding set up. Yeah, they definitely tried to make this shot seem like extra creepy. Besides the fact that we have creepy dude in it, I mean, just the composition of him talking. Like you said, they put in those trees and kind of lit them to be more creepy. And then like while he's talking, he opens his mouth super long and he's already got a long face. So it just kind of gives you that feeling of like the scream. And uh, then I was just noticing because I stopped it like right when he has his jaw all the way down. You can see like straight into his mouth, down his throat, but his throat isn't where it should be. It's like way too low. So, I mean, they just completely exaggerated the size of his head and his jaw to, to make him look extra creepy here. And it works. And they make him look creepier by keeping him, uh, what do they call it, asymmetrical. Where it's like you can't see the same amount of his teeth on the left as you can on the right. And when his eyes are open, one of his eyes is smaller than the other. And like they just constantly keep him asymmetrical. So he's not attractive. Not visually, aesthetically pleasing. He's all askew. Physically and morally. <laughs> just a little bit. And then he's like, hey, I'm here to collect your father. That just sounds horrible. I mean, I know he's not like trying to trick her and be nice about it, but mm, still not the greatest choice of words. I feel like that's the phrase they would use maybe even today, though. Like, you don't want to say, hey, we're here to take your father or get your father. Collect It just sounds not as forceful. Hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe we need to to look up some mental hospital phraseology. How do they phrase the coming and taking of a relative? We should have gotten a warden from a psychiatric ward on here. There's still a chance for next minute. <laughs> but I was looking at the the mob in the background. There's only two women and there are no children that we see later on. Um, I see three women. Okay, I didn't see that. <laughs> the further one on the right. I thought that was a man. Oops. My question is, what are all these townspeople doing here? Because this, this is the part that doesn't make sense. They all look pretty upset. They've got torches. And supposedly, they come to collect crazy old Maurice and take him to the loony bin. But why are they all so upset? And why are so many of them there? Like, you don't need that many people to get one crazy guy. Especially not the women and the old guy. And he's never done anything to anybody. So why are they so upset? Hmm. And then I thought like the whole point of this was that Gaston was being sneaky 
and being like, hey, call him crazy and lock him up unless Belle decides to marry me. And that's the plan he goes with. But what if she had agreed to marry him? And he's got this super angry mob with him ready to take Maurice to the asylum. Um, And he's like, oh, wait, never mind, guys. Sorry, Uh, she agreed to marry me. So we're not going to take him after all. Then what's the angry mob going to do? Oh, maybe they're all in on the plan. I mean, we know that at least in the the tavern, it sounded like they were being kind of open with it. I guess they were whispering LeFou and Gaston when they were talking about the plan, but... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like hidden, but they definitely weren't like telling everybody and getting everyone on board with it. Yeah, I mean, they were singing, no one takes cheap shots and persecutes harmless crackpots and whatever, so... Maybe he clued a lot of these guys in. All the men here are from the tavern. I don't know why the women would be there, but... You know what? I guess it could make sense. I mean, I don't think anybody really had anything against Maurice. Besides, maybe he's telling scary stories about a beast, and that's freaking him out. But especially with the women here, we did see a lot of animosity towards Belle when she was first in the village, going through and singing her song. And all the women were hating on her. And the the wash lady like got super ticked off whenever she came to the fountain and left. And so maybe maybe some of this is spurred by that people just don't like Belle for some reason. I also even thought like this is a little town that not a lot of stuff happens in. So it could just be one of those things like, hey, they're going to go get Belle's dad and everyone's going to go for entertainment purposes. I mean, that was like a thing back in the day. I remember, what was it? Um, I, I can't remember what it was, but I've seen a couple of different movies before where it's like if there's a hanging or something, everyone shows up because it's kind of like entertainment. Yeah. So maybe it's the same thing when someone's going to get taken to the asylum, especially since crazy people usually resist and... It's just a spectacle for everyone to go to. Yeah, and the, the word just leaked out. Gaston might not have even known the mob was coming, but he sure takes advantage of it later. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else for this minute? Uh, nope. Looks like we got everything I said. Yeah. Yeah. Another great minute in the books. Thank you guys for being here with us once again. We're wrapping up minute 66. If you want to get a hold of us, be sure to check out our social media pages. We are Beasley Minute on all the social medias, or you can head over to the Growler Media website. Just go to growlermedia.com. You'll find this podcast. You'll find the NeverEnding Minute. You'll find the Flash Gordon Minute, Popcorn and Pickles movie reviews, the LDS Dating Podcast. We got lots of great stuff over there, so be sure to check it out. That's also where you can find our bios and link to our social medias if you want to talk to us personally about our lives or all the pictures we post of uh, like i don't know houses and kids and stuff or ask lds dating questions yeah put a plug in there for that one sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah be sure to check us out there we want to thank duo hansen who does our music it is awesome music every time i listen to it it's like ah oh, so good so be sure to check them out on youtube they do lots of covers and original songs over there and then we also want to thank megan the cartoonist who did our lovely lovely cover art she is this super young talented cartoonist so to find her on facebook just search megan the cartoonist and until next time bell why did you go away why didn't you subscribe <laughs>
something is really different. I'm a growler. M. Night Shyamalan Man's Lady in the Water. <laughs> I should probably try to say his name right. Shyamalan. Shyamalan. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's. No. Shyamalan. 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 Shyamalan's. Look at S H. The Y is an I A. Shia. Malans. No, I think it's Shyamalan. Shyamalan. We could both be saying it wrong, though. I don't know. He was in Lady in the Water in 2006. Is anyone else out there? Don't worry, mademoiselle. Have you tested it? <laughs> and he's like, I'm here to collect your father. He's changed somehow. He's subscribed to a new podcast. <laughs> What? You subscribe to that horrible, monstrous beast? Oh, I'm good. I'm good at this. I'm keeping your bones. <laughs>